And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute and I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers podcast. I am Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. I am joined by Scott Powers, also of The Athletic. Scott, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm sitting here in my uh, we have like an, an extra bedroom in the house. It's little tiny room that doesn't really have a closet or is usable space. And when we bought the house a couple of years ago, we're like, all right, well, this is going to be like our little office. You know, my wife and I could share it as an office. We were it was the height of covid. We were working from home all the time. Uh, it is very quickly morphed into the kids like all purpose room. So it's like an art room. There's just paint. My desk, this nice desk I bought for it is just caked in paint. I had to put two books under my laptop here. So it's not a great room is what I'm saying. So I'm doing the athletic hockey show on Monday. You know, I'm doing a guest segment. I was cheating on you with uh, with, with Ian Mendez and Julian. Yeah. McKenzie. Um, and I don't really I don't realize they're taking video of us the whole time we're doing this podcast. So they tweeted out the athletic NHL account tweeted out a, a video of me yammering on about Patrick Kane. And like so now everybody knows that I like I work out of this tiny little room with a dolphin on the wall for some reason from the previous owners that is just crap all over the floor, Lego pieces everywhere, paint everywhere, drawings on the walls, just like total absolute uh, disaster of a room that I uh, that is my office. Well, well, no one knew about any other stuff other than the dolphin. So, like, you've told them about the rest of the room. You know? <laughs> like, well, it's like, like I'm looking at your, you, you have this nice office that you always do this from. You got these, like, you no know, floor to ceiling bookshelves. You've got, like, you know, nice framed posters on the wall, artwork. I don't have that. When I do, like, an NHL network hit, I literally sit on the floor of my den with the, the shelves behind me because we have, like, you know, like, I don't know, like chest high shelves. And that's, like, the only nice shelves we have in the entire house. Only place where there's books. 
and you know, I bobbleheads scattered about, and I have the kids like design the bobblehead. So it looks like I'm, and we try to frame it. I, I put the computer on a, on a bar stool and I try to sit there on the floor. So it looks like I'm at a desk with a nice bookcase behind me. I had to take, I take the art off the wall. So you can't tell. Like it's, I go, I go to great lengths to make it look like I have some kind of like grown up office because I'm a 42 year old adult and I just clearly do not. When I write, I usually write lying uh, face down on the bed, like a, like a teenage girl in a 1980s sitcom with on the, on the phone, like my feet dangling in the air. Like I have just absolutely nowhere to work at all. It's pathetic. I have my own office because I crammed two of my children in one room so that I, I... <laughs> it helps that one's one years old, so she really doesn't have anything. So uh, the bedrooms are the, the office is on a different floor than the bedroom. So I am. Yeah, I guess we'll see if that changes. But I last our last apartment we when we rented, it was uh, when we were the first one I, I got crammed in with like a small room with the with the crib and everything. And I, I just I just I lost all my space. So I I fought for my office and. Uh, put you know, I built the had the bookcase built had the bookcase made during the pandemic, and that was, was like my big thing. And um, yeah, no, I'm very happy with my own thing, but I am curious how this will. Yes, I I may have I may be working in your office by the time. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because the older they get, you know, my kids are ten and seven. My my youngest just turned seven last week, so they're they're a lot older than your kids, obviously. And the older they get, the less stuff they have. You know, they they just retreat to their. You know, my kids have Kindle Fire tablets like that, and 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 their Nintendo Switch. But that my youngest will not relinquish any toy. Yeah. So like, you know, God forbid you throw something out while she or donate something while she's not home. She will find out. What did you do with my, you know, Barbie dream house thing? Yeah. You haven't played with that in four years, but I love it. That's where it gets hard is, is purging is a lot harder as they get older because they have sentimental value to literally everything. We have baby <laughs> books. I want to donate my, the, the little, you know, card, you know, my, both my kids are, re, are, are good readers and we want to donate some of the books to like the kindergarten, the first grade of the school. And the kids like, no, I love that book. You haven't touched that book in four years. Kid. Yeah. I, I've just, I found that you need to do everything like overnight or just when they're not there, yeah. you know, like they, they never know it's there and then they never know it's gone. I'm just so. raising hoarders. I think I think going to be on TLC someday. <laughs> I was going to say with uh, our new podcast format and now that I'm recording, it that we could actually we could have our own youtube channel if we wanted and people would know a lot more about your uh your space and i don't can... think i you know i don't understand the watching podcast thing i know people do it seems to be watches a podcast i don't know it seems to why be... do you want to see the two of us sitting in chairs yapping when you could like be listening to us sitting in a chair yet i don't know it doesn't, it doesn't I don't know. Me. people i guess people consume things differently right uh, yes uh so hockey um oh yeah hockey sorry okay uh blackhawks hockey more specifically um you sure you don't want to talk about kids some more you really want to talk about blackhawks hockey oh <laughs> uh, yeah i guess i guess we'll, we'll <laughs> just just turn this into a parenting podcast <laughs> um so two two preseason games in four more to go how the hell what, was it edmonton is like eight game like eight or nine oh my god can you how imagine? do they do that why and the, are they like, doing that? I just saw Colorado's down to like its final roster already. Like, like <laughs> the Blackhawks have 60 players. And yeah, the idea of having to cover more preseason games. And oh, God. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, two games. Uh, I, I, I guess the interesting stuff now is just how, you know, it's the top six. And then it's the young kids that are all going to disappear in a, in a few days, though. But <laughs> I, I mean, Kevin Kronchinski sort of been the interesting one to watch considering. Uh, just how much he's was uh, yeah covered and how much they gave up for him, and then how Kane's meshing with, uh, you know, it was strange that they went from Radish and Domi one day, and then Anthony who got thrown on that line, and um, and I, 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 
I think that line's going to score. I, I don't know if any other line's going to score on this team. Like, but it's, I think, uh, you know, like Kane had some incredible passes in that first preseason game and Anna City looked pretty good. And um, so, yeah, Kane, you know, Kane's Kane. And, um, but yeah, I mean, you put it, I thought you wrote it pretty well in the lead there just about how, how they played the game is probably, how about you, you know, they played hard and they were competitive and, probably were better team in some ways, but ultimately it just, it comes down to scoring and it's uh, yeah. They just, they don't have a lot of offensive players, the guys that can yeah. produce. I mean, when, when you're talking, you know, trying to glean anything from the preseason, you can really only look at that first one more than the second one. For sure. Yeah. This young to, you know, the road games in the preseason tend to be just, you know, prospect heavy with a few veterans scattered in, but that first game. Yeah. I mean, you watch that second period and the, the blues brought a pretty good team. They had sod was there and Cairo and O'Reilly. Like bunch of ex Blackhawks, some... Letty and Ivor. Right, yeah. And... Like they, they, they brought an NHL caliber team almost, at least, you know, like a, a half of an NHL caliber team. And most of the second period, the Blackhawks dominated. The blues went like 10 and 10 or 11 minutes without a shot on goal. They had like 10 shots on goal total late in the second period. The Hawks had all the momentum. Um, they, they just can't score. You know, Athanasio must have had three, four, five really good chances. Um, he just couldn't bury any of them. And that's kind of always like he's he's kind of Sam Lafferty, except even like faster, where he's always around the net and he generates a lot. But can he finish? He finished. He had one year where he had 30 goals. He can finish. But can he do it consistently? And I think you're going to see a lot of that this year where the team, you know, the Blackhawks, you know, the, the brass really wants a try hard team, right? They want a team that you can root for. They want a team that fans can get behind knowing that they're set up to lose because the team has set them up to lose, but they were, they're trying to walk that fine line of having an entertaining product, but a complete failure on the ice. They want to see six to five losses every night. And I just don't think this team can do that. They're not going to score four or five goals every night. You're going to score one or two goals most nights. And so unless Peter Morazic stands on his head or Luke Richardson's new system is just, you know, turns into a Barry Trotz gangbusters uh, defensive shutdown team, then this they're just not going to be what they want to be. They'll be a hardworking team. They'll be a likable team, but they're not going to be an entertaining team if goals are what you're looking for. Yeah, I, I feel like trying to tell that line, either two things happen. One, you know, like obviously uh... – is they're they're better than expected right like they, they could win games yeah um and um effort goes I, a long way in the nhl yeah no for sure and yeah I, I, they have skilled players i mean the fact they brought i mean they added domi and Athosiu who both jump on the top line you know like they yep. they could have easily assigned guys that were uh lower level players and you know like they're hoping those guys produce and then they can flip them the deadline probably but they they could have made this a little bit easier on themselves you know like if they'd they gone could out have been and... a lot worse absolutely yeah yeah for sure so um yeah I, i'm curious because you know like i mean it, it's uh, we're, we're all we have really is one game to assess or, or it, it's you know we're over analyzing one one you know game of you know some nhl or some not but it, it's it's it felt like it, what the blackhawks want to be and what they are was was very much that game um, and we'll, and we'll get, a, you know, I mean, we'll sort of see a few more games here where, where they get the full team and then get down to the, the whole team by the end of the preseason. But um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting because even, you know, even the power plays change where the brink hit was such a focus of the power play and always in that, in that off, you know, off the off wing or Kane's, you know, on the half wall with the puck. And, and now they've switched over the power play where the, the bumper rolls, um, you know, the net front and the bumper roll become like the focus of it where they even like the, uh, you know, I'd asked Richardson about yesterday about the offside winger and, and they're looking to basically start the offside winger at a higher 
higher spotted and kind of building up speed. Um, and, and just because and is a different handed shot than to bring it, but it's, yeah, it, it, it feels like you gotten so used to like, even as the Blackhawks been been bad the last years, they played a very specific way. And, and a lot of it focused on, on the brinkets, you know, brinkets shots and, and, you know, Kane on that half wall. And um, so, yeah, yeah, it'll be, it's going to be interesting just because, they will score goals. It just it, it's 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 interesting whether beyond that line because I think NSU is going to get his like he's just going to get great chances and the power play will get his. But for for them to be successful, they need they need Radish or Taves or um, even you know even beyond that. Um, I guess Lafferty's and the Caras for those guys to, to produce. And I, I don't uh, they're, like they're fine. Like the Lafferty like Kara looked really good last night, and I thought Lafferty did too. It just um, and they just they, they regardless of their opportunities they don't produce a whole lot you know it's going to be interesting to see how Patrick Kane adjusts his game because for the last couple of years he's really designed himself around passing to Alex Dabrinkit he's been the setup guy you know I was talking to him the other day and he even mentioned Dylan Strom said you know Strom's more of a playmaker but with me he became more of a scorer I was I was distributing on that line and you know he knows that he is by far the best goal scorer on the team right now. So him scoring 15, 20, 25 goals isn't going to do it. He He's going out here looking for his third or fourth, what I think his third 40 goal season, because he has to be, you know, even, you know, even if Domi and Athanasiu, even that's his, if that's his line mates, those are productive players. They're not P- Patrick Kane level. They're not Alex Dabrinkit level. And they're not what Dylan Strom was the second half of the year. They're not point to game guys. Patrick Kane's going to have to transition back into that sniper mode he had like in the late 2010s when he had Panarin on his wing uh, and he really took over and started firing more because, you know, he's kind of reverted back to that playmaker he was when he first broke into the league. He likes passing. I think he likes passing. I wonder wonder if it's physically, if it's easier for him now too. like, he still sees the game. Like I like he's been affected by his hip and he's like, he isn't the same physical player. I mean, he's 30 with 33 now. Um, yeah, I wonder if just passing it and distributing in the way that he sees the ice, just it's easier than him than scoring where, you know, like he, he has some speed, but I, I probably isn't as fast as he once was, or he doesn't have the same shots. And he's, he's never been a burner. Like and you, you also, guy. I guess the other thing is that who you're playing with, like it's, it's such a league where you're, um, you know, like you, you score a lot of goals by, by who's giving you the puck, right? Like yep. the, the fact that the brink could give it back to the cane for a one time or sort of thing. So I, I'm curious that, you know, whether, whether well, we, saw, we saw one moment in that preseason game, I, I can't remember who he was coming down the ice with uh, on a two on one. And was it Blackwell? I, I can't remember. He like immediately deferred to Kane, like yeah. way too early. And then Kane tried to give it back to him and the guy wasn't ready for it because he thought he had already deferred to Kane. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of adjusting. Patrick Kane is a very difficult player to play with. Yeah. He's really hard to be the center for. And, you know, it's, 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 it's hilarious that he's gone through so many centers considering how hard it is to learn because he's the playmaker on the line. He's the distributor. He's the puck carrier most of the time, even though he's on the wing. So there's this adjustment period. So that's why Artem Anisimov was such a great center for him because Anisimov didn't want to carry the puck. He's like, yeah, yeah, you take it. I'll go crash the net. And that's what Kane really wants is someone to do that and just clear some room for him. So there's so much adjustments that goes into working with Patrick Kane and he has to decide what kind of player he's going to be this year. And I, I just think he's going to have to shoot more. He's going to have to score more because nobody else is going to be able to do it. Yeah. Like I, well, the first game, I mean, he, he honestly, he said, I mean, there was, there was a handful of plays where I you know Krachinski probably should have scored. And there was a play where Domi should have scored over a pass. Like he had like three or four plays where they, they should have had goals just off of his, the way that he created for those players, you know? So it's, it's yeah. If, if those guys aren't producing, um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if any of those guys are capable of setting up, but it came like it, it felt like the Brinkett was part of it was that the Brinkett 
got comfortable playing with Kane. Like he was, and, and Kane mentioned this too, that he was willing to give, to give it back to him the same yeah. the way that Panarin did. Like they, they were kind of, um, you know, more pairs than anything at the end there where they, um, you know, he was willing to, you know, yell at Kane and, and, you know, like he didn't worry about deferring to Kane. And, and, and I think, I think even with Reichel that they worry that Reichel is going to defer to Kane too much and, yeah. and it affects how a young player plays. So, um, at least Anathasiu and, and Domi have been around a bit, so I, I don't think they're, they're they're completely awed by him. But th- there is a, you know, like he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna adjust to playing with them. Like he's 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 you know, he just plays the game at such an elite level that he always feels. And this kind of goes back to, and, and he mentioned in your last story too that he always feels like he can play with whomever. You know, like as much as he lost Panarin or Debrinkit or Sharp or you know, you go down the line, like he always felt like, regardless, he feels like he can play at that same level. And I know doing the book with Belfry, that 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 was sort of the mentality that was that you know, like who's who's up next, who who am I going to work with? You know, so I, I think um, you know, I'm sure that he'd love to play with uh, elite players, and you know, and the Domi are obviously. Um, have produced this, you know, at a high rate, but he thinks they can, um, you know, like they, they can still do what the Brinkin and them did. It's just, it's a matter of whether those guys understand how to play with Kane and instead of Kane, just setting that up, whether it's, it's a two way street. And I think he's getting the puck back and scoring those goals, because I think a lot of Kane's goals over the last five years have been also, um, you know, the defense, you know, yeah, just, you know, the puck going back to Kane around the one-timer or, or just, you know, him being able to distribute. And then, yeah, his line mates being able to, to hit, set him up as well. Because it feels like such the, the offense, even on the power plays, centered around so much uh, on, you know, getting it down low to Radish or, or whomever. And then they kind of create, but does a puck go back out to Kane or not? So, um, so yeah, yeah, I wrote that story a couple of days ago about where Patrick Kane sits in the hierarchy of the NHL these days. Is he out of sight, out of mind? You know, Dom and, and, and Shana and everyone put those rankings together, and he was somewhere between 35th and 42nd best player in the league. Now, obviously, as Dom put it himself, you want to be higher, play some defense, but that's never been Patrick Kane's job. It's, it's, it's been interesting to go, you know, I wrote that story because, you know, I thought it would be a good talker. It'd be a fun train. It's a fun training camp piece. I was, I, I put it in the first sentence. I was baiting Patrick Kane, and he kind of took the bait a little bit um i'm just you know you, you go through the list of the guys they had though and the, the league is so deep right now i mean you know they, they listed uh, uh kane as a 3b i mean nikita kucherov sasha barkov and Sidney crosby and roman yossi are in one c yeah like, they're 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 not even they're on the fringe of the top 10 here and you know kane is i think still like part of it, the- it's not about who you play with too right like so much right. of the sure. like when when kane was probably the higher was that he was playing with with sharp and and, and taze the likes and, of michael hanzus yes exactly <laughs> or just more defensive minded <laughs> players like it, it's it's kane's defensive tendencies are probably you know been, well he's such know. a he's such a difficult guy but he's not, to, play, he's not playing with as two-way players I no that's say, true but he's play. he's so difficult to pin down analytically there are just there's a handful of guys in the league whose metrics are never going to be impressive and patrick kane does not have great metrics but he consistently outperforms them. I mean, he's been in the league 16 years. I think it is 15, 16 years. Every single year he's been in the league, his actual goals for percentage has been significantly higher than his expected goals because he's so damn good. He can create out of less than other players. He needs less opportunity to create more offense. And so it's hard to just kind of pin him based on, well, his, his defense sucks. His defense doesn't suck if he's scoring goals. You know, like I remember, like, like in his prime, it's I also about how many goals are on the ice for too, right? Like, it, it, well, of it's, course, yeah. it's always going to be a higher on both ends there. Right. But like, I, I go back to like when he was like at, at, at really at his peak, 
And uh, he was dead last in the league in hits. And I asked him about it once. He goes, well, you can't hit anybody if you always have the puck on your stick, right? And that's like, that's the attitude you want. Like the best defense is a good offense, right? If you have the puck all the time, then it doesn't matter what the other team is doing and how many shot attempts are getting and all that. Now, granted, the fact that his numbers are lopsided shows that he doesn't have the puck enough. He doesn't have the puck as much as he used to, which is why he was ranked where he is. And that's all understandable. And again, you look at some of these players. I mean, let's see who he is ranked around the same area with. You know, he's with, um, I got the list right here. This is a very long story they wrote. Um, Mika Zabanajad, Philip Forsberg. These are very good players. Alex Ovechkin is also listed as 3B. Andrei Svechnikov. Now, Kane is better than Svechnikov. He's better than Zabanajad. He's better than Forsberg. And he's, you know, he, uh, Ovechkin's a good comp where he's past his prime, but still incredible. So what do you do with that? Uh, but then, you know, John Carlson and Shea Theodore and Devon Taves, they're great defensemen. I think look like those guys are some of my favorite players, but how do you compare them to a Patrick Kane when you're on defense is Jack Hughes, who's a three, a, a better player than Patrick Kane. No, he's not. He might someday be, but he's not right now. Mark stone. Isn't what he once was. Jonathan Huberdo is kind of one dimensional as just as well. It, it's hard for me to think that you would rather have some of those guys in, let's say a seven game series right now than Patrick Kane. Like that's, that's where I quibble with the list is, yeah, if you go by strictly numbers, maybe, but if you go by the eye test and you go by, you know, what you've seen from a guy and what he's able to do in big moments, I don't see how you take any of those players over Patrick Kane. Yeah, <laughs> you feel like very old man hockey there. Really. I, I, don't know, care, right? I don't I care know. what the numbers I, say. I don't care what the scouts, I don't care what the numbers say. The scouts say this. You, you know what the odd thing is that I know you like, you, you talk about the clutch Kane, like the Blackhawks haven't been good in, in seven it's, years it's been a while since he's had to be clutched yeah year. like i i, I it, it's it's like he, he he's still really good and his numbers are yeah offensively it just it, it, i was thinking about the like some of the you know basically entire kane and taves contracts like they they haven't they've accomplished nothing yeah the team is yeah it hasn't done anything other than that you know i guess what getting balanced by nashville and st louis and then losing to uh with vegas and and opening you know they've lost three first round series like that's yeah, that's that's incredible. You know, like in eight years of that deal, like it's yeah, they got uh, it, yeah, they got paid for past performance. That's what that's what doomed Stan Bowman is. A lot of contracts were yeah, paid I don't like I don't you know like I, I don't those think were fair, Taves, at the time. Those were absolutely I, I don't think contracts. I don't think the Blackhawks losing has, has been Kane and Taves' fault. You know, like it certainly Taves has had uh, his games decline with age, and some of that was expected, and and some of that was with COVID, obviously, and. Um, but you could yeah, not I, give them those contracts at that time. Yeah, I, I don't think the cap, we, it was right before the Canadian dollar crash. Everybody thought the cap was going to go way up. They would have gotten way. They would have gotten more than that on the open market. They were the stars of the franchise. They had just won their third cup. It's, you couldn't have. You yeah, couldn't I, have not. I, I don't think the Blackhawks' demise is based on Canon Tape's contracts. No. I think it's every other contract that they fucked up. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, but it, it it is amazing that in like you come off of three cups and you think you probably have a, you know, something left and they just, yeah, just mishandled everything. They, they, that, that team could have won the cup in 16, that game against that series against the blues was a really good series against a really good team. That was a cup ish caliber team that could have, you know, won it on sheer will and talent like the 15 team did. Yeah. But then, then the, the 17 team was all smoke and mirrors by Croy Crawford. And then the Nashville exposed that. And then everything, the wheels fell off. Yeah, and well, yeah, the wheels fell off because they also pulled the wheels off and they did <laughs> and traded they players. St- and... They stuck a stick in their own bike spokes. Yeah, it's uh, but yeah, it's, it's incredible that it's the last year of the contract, and yeah, it's eight years is it's a long time for the yeah, 
that's almost our entire time on the beat <laughs> yeah no for sure <laughs> it's crazy in the first three years you cover uh yeah you covered two cup teams and a uh and, and time game seven of the conference yeah, and, and, and then yeah and everything it's been yeah Ever since the athletics existed, it's uh, well, the, the Cubs won the World Series and the uh, Blackhawks have been the two playoff series, I guess, three if you count the uh, bubble stuff. It's 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 the athletics fault, clearly. Yeah, I'll just say, I, I <laughs> it's interesting. It'd be it'd be fun to see what we could do with a playoff run. I, I will say that, and part of the reason the athletic doubled down on hockey was that they saw the Blackhawks traffic was pretty good, and 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 I think for the most part, since I mean, obviously, they hired a second writer and. Um, you know, and we're seeing a little bit of it now being affected where people aren't reading. But I, I think that whole cup run, it created a different type of fan here in Chicago. You know, like oh, there yeah. were, it's no, uh, everyone keeps saying it's going to be 2003, 2004. It'll never be like that again. No, the but fan it, base it, that was created is a durable one. They're, they're not thrilled about all this. No, they're no. not going anywhere. They're, they're, they've definitely tested their, yeah. <laughs> their fans. Patience. Any, anyone who calls Chicago fans bandwagon fans still is a fucking idiot. <laughs> I was uh, when we were at the United Center on Tuesday. I, I I wanted to see how many jerseys I saw outside of Kane and Taves that are actually on the team, and I saw one Connor Murphy one. It was uh, it was a signed one, and obviously the person was very happy to have that jersey. Um, but I I didn't see any other you know other player. It was uh, you don't see a lot of Seth Jones jerseys out there. No, you don't. Like in the store, they have the Han jerseys they're selling, and uh, <laughs> there, there's Hosa and Keith. And, when, and, when we were there for Luke Richardson's uh, introductory press conference, they held that at the team store downtown. And like the first, the, 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 all the jerseys that were being sold, where it was like to and Strom and Dahan. Yeah. It was like, all oh, these guys that aren't going to be back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, they probably should be tell- selling a Korczynski and Reichel jerseys at this point, you know, like I, <laughs> it, but I can't tape still like they still drive that. And, yeah. and um, someone even suggested that, they, they should introduce a new logo while Kane and Taves are still on the team because you, you could like people people would buy that jersey still you know like this would be the, oh, the yeah. time to change the logo if you're going to do that, it that's what people don't realize if the Blackhawks change the logo they would make money hand over fist yeah for because sure everyone always buys the new thing yeah for sure it's like soccer like you you have a new sponsor every year in the jersey yeah you want to have a new giant random airline on the center of your chest because soccer jerseys are so cool yeah, I, I don't. I, I guess it's they've also learned how to mark. Like you just people get used to it too, you know. Like people flip out about Go this little Etihad Airways. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't. I, I think people just get accustomed. Like it's a way that also that that they buy players and like I, I guess for soccer, it, part of it's like you're competing against the world too. So like every single dollar you have and whatever money you can create, yeah. like it's 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 you know the NHL is lucky where they don't really have to compete with anyone else. Like in in soccer, it's like yeah, you're England's competing against you know teams in Spain and in in France and elsewhere. So my kid's soccer team has a giant lunch meat or a, a logo on it. So oh, that, that's that's not very good for you a right local, now. A local lunch meat. I know, right? I can't eat any of that. But a local lunch meat supplier is our sponsor yeah and so yeah i i don't know i i guess i i look at people flipping out about decals and you know and advertising and hockey jerseys and it, it certainly can be a lot more severe when you look at some of the european right, teams but exactly. it just it's another way that they can make money and and yeah i, I don't no know I, I, don't, I got no problem with a little patch on the jersey yeah it's it's not really i i and i and i, I think ultimately like it, people wouldn't they, they'd you're, freak you're out literally wearing a hoodie right now that has an ireland soccer patch on it but also has a new balance logo on it so yeah um yeah I, but you love new balance yeah I, I, <laughs> I really nothing to say um but uh, yeah i feel like there's a complete tangent off of the uh, the can conversation um looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The, uh, I, I, the other, I, Kevin Korczynski and, and, and Samuel Savoie and, and, you know, we've gotten. What do you think about that elbow Savoie delivered to uh, Lucas Raymond? Like I, I, it didn't look intentional, but it's like one of those, like when Dave Boland did something that didn't look intentional. I yeah. He's not going to get the benefit of the doubt for very long. Is he? He's, like he's it, advertising himself as Brad Marchand. You're going to get looked at askance when that happens. Yeah. Like the first two games, like he had his stick held, uh, on the, yeah, Brayden Jen pulling it off from the bench. Yeah. He's definitely doing that. So yeah, I, it, it's one of those things where it didn't look like it was uh intentional but considering who it was like it yeah it's that benefit of the doubt is not gonna last if he long. ever makes it to the nhl he's gonna have to deal with that fact that everyone's gonna know what's coming from him yeah yeah and and and, and i get why the comparisons there and i i just I, I don't know i guess we'll see over the next few years like he's not that level yet you know like he's, no no he, he's obviously seen like he's noticeable like he he's a fun prospect to keep an eye on yeah sure. yeah like yeah like you need you need someone like that but you also need like offense and other skills and he and he seems to have a pretty good skill set but i feel like he's it's a guy that's two years away um i am curious about korchinski like he, he's looked he's looked like looks good doesn't he yeah he's uh like he, last night was like the first time where he saw him knocked off the puck a little like he was against the soderblom the uh elmer soderblom so it was you know like uh, you could tell like uh, Elmer Soderblom is huge though, but it's it just, it, he's a little bit slight for his frame and um, he's going to have to build some strength. And, but, but overall, I mean, the pass they made the, the, the Reichel was pretty amazing. And in the way they breaks it out and he's already got confidence and he makes um, a lot of smart little plays too, like veteran kind of like, you know, he knows when to pass. He knows when to shoot. There was that one play in the, uh, in the St. Louis game where uh, he read the play. He knew what Patrick Kane was going to do and he dove to the net and got a really good scoring chance because he was able to anticipate something that Patrick Kane was going to do and be aggressive off of it. That's what you want to see from an offensive minded defenseman is someone who can think the game at that level. That was a, you know, he made some smart passes. He kept the puck and shot it a few times, which again, you never want a guy deferring too much. Uh, there's a lot to like about his game there. Yeah. And I already saw some people be like, oh, we, we should keep him up. But I, I nah. like one, you don't want to start his, his contract. There's no point of like, like you're going to have to pay this kid probably. Yeah. It, it just there's no reason to rush it at this point. Like if this team was different, then maybe like it's, it would make, make sense more. Sense, and not, but... not, not that he's going to be another kill my car. There might not ever be. No. Yeah. Car, yeah. But, it's, it's... but it is, it is when you watch the avalanche, and you watch Kale McCarr, you know the difference that a player like that can make for a team if you get someone who can control the puck that way and can gear, uh, steer the offense. Kale McCarr went to college for two years. Yeah. Like it's it's he came he in right like, before a playoff run. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's I I, I yeah I, I like there's no I'm doubt just he's saying, going back. Like there's a, there's a reason to be excited about this kid. Oh for sure, yeah. No, the Blackhawks sure. haven't had a player like that. Duncan Keith was never that kind of player. He was never. 
you know, super, super offensive minded. He was a different kind of dominant defenseman. Yeah. And this so, is different from Boquist in that Boquist had some of these capabilities. Like Boquist yeah. was pretty special in London. It was just whether he was going to figure out defensively. And, and Kuczynski seems at, at his size that he's capable of doing more. And he just, he, he probably, yeah, he seems, um, he's not perfect in the defensive zone and, he, and he's aware of that. But it's, um, yeah, he seems to have a better understanding and, you know, just, based off that story i wrote and talking to people around him like he seems to he seems competitive and wants to compete defensively and um yeah he he doesn't seem lost in the defensive zone and um so yeah th- th- it'll be interesting to watch him this season throughout this year and it sounds like he's going to get at least one more game um here they sent gavin hayes back uh to the ohl today and then him and savoie christian savoie stuck around and um you know colton dock and paul Lewinsky actually skated uh yesterday with the morning skate group so um i imagine those guys probably uh are taking out a protocol here sooner than later and and they probably get a game too so um i i think uh you know probably next week the blackhawks want to get a little bit smaller group and get a little bit closer to what they're going to be and um you know i, I still don't uh, I, I don't i don't expect it to be many battles like i don't i don't think reichel's going to make the team um you know like i thought secure looked pretty good last night scored a goal and you know he looks like he um, you know, he, he's not the star that we once thought he was, but he, he could be a deaf player. Um, but yeah, I don't really think he's excited to be back. He's like, he's in that guy. Every time I see him, he's been in a good mood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think any of those guys have a chance. Like I just, I think unless someone gets hurt, like the Blackhawks aren't going to put someone through waivers. They, um, um, yeah, they, 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 yeah, they don't, they don't feel like they have to, you know, like even, uh, yeah, like mo- everyone except for, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys, yeah, and there's almost everyone that's it's not waiver exempt anymore other than yeah, the Reichel. And, and, and there's some of the guys like Buddy Robinson and Sakura and, uh, that they're going to have to put through waivers and, and maybe I, I would assume most of them give through, but um, it's, uh, yeah, just there's not many. It wasn't created. The, the roster wasn't created with many battles in mind. And I think even now that McCabe and Mitchell are out, that I think it's created maybe an opening for Vlasic and, and he's looked pretty good with Seth Jones. Um, but outside of that, it's uh, yeah, it, it feels like it's going to be the team that we expected it to be entering camp. All right, let's get into some of our uh, listener questions. You can email us at lazandpowers at gmail.com or you can just tweet us. Um, Chicago hockey guy asked, it looks like Reichel is headed back to Rockford despite being one of the best players in camp so far. Why? Is it just to protect him from a bad team? Is it to ensure the team isn't too good? He seems ready to play in the NHL, so I fear it'll hurt his confidence to be set down. I mean, you got into a little bit right now is a lot of it's just roster math. But when you walk into the locker room, you know, there's like 30 guys with locker stalls and poor Lucas Reichel is in one of these temporary metal shelving units. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he, he clearly is not, ex- they're not planning on him making the team even entering camp. Yeah, I, I don't get this. You know, I talked to him about it yesterday before the game, whether, you know, like he felt like, you know, like I have to show them something. And, um, you know, he's he's 20 years old. So there's not like, you know, like he's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it just seemed like someone that's he's OK with life right now. OK, being in the NHL and having a chance. And, um, you know, he, he, I think they've explained it to a little bit about not rushing him and um, that, you know, eventually they, they think really highly of him. But um, I'm sure that he's reading into it at some level, too. Just, you know, like whoever you're, you're skating, like he skated with Karen Lafferty last night. And um, but it, but if they really wanted to give him a chance, he would have played with, with Kane or Anthony right. or, or or someone. And, and you know, uh, you know, we asked Luke Richardson on the I think first day of camp, like what's what's it take for Reichel to make this team? And and he basically said that you know, like it's um, 
you know, we, we want him playing. There's no reason not to play him with, you know, like if he's going to be playing in the NHL, he needs to be playing with skilled guys and they're not really putting him with that. So I, I think that's kind of a clear indication of what they see. And, um, you know, they, I, I think the way that he looked at the NHL when he brought, was brought up last year, gave them a little bit of pause just that he wasn't physically ready. And he, he has, it, it seems like he's, he really, you know, he did put on weight obviously, but it, it seems like he's winning some board battles and, I'm I'm sure they they they'd love to give them you know 20 minutes a game down in Rockford and playing in all situations and um and and when they call them up they they want to keep them up so um it's a little odd because and I wrote about it a little bit today too is just that when you look at the top six there's other than then you know like I guess it depends what Kane and Tate's futures are but other than Radish they're, they're none of those guys probably will be here in two or three years right like so right. like you have this entire season and you'd like and, and part of it's about losing but it's also like you try to you. You know, I would I would think you'd want to build something and, and having Reichel there and trying to establish something under Richardson. But um, it, that doesn't seem to be seem to be the plan. So. Um. All right. Well, uh, let's look at uh, Benjamin Tom Jack asks, where does goaltending fit into the rebuild plan? Do you think we have the goalie of the future currently in the system or is that likely to be a trade slash free agency problem for later? That's the thing about goalies, right, is you can kind of always find a goalie. Yeah. Um, they're really hard to develop. They would love if Drew Comesso and Arvid Soderblom are the ten, the tandem winning a Stanley Cup for them five years from now. Yeah. But uh, it, it's such a crapshoot with goaltending. You just never know who's really going to translate to the NHL level and when. I, I think Soderblom is of Rockford goalies in the last while. And they've had some decent ones with, I mean, Dilly and Lincoln and uh, we're, we're AHL all-stars so it's it, sometimes it's hard to always to translate but I, from what I, everything i've heard they they love soda bloom like they think he's like another level above those guys and um you know he's the best goalie to come through rockford in a bit here and and, and i think that's also why they're they don't want to rush him like they don't want to throw him into what they think this year is going to be and um yeah. knowing this that be, this the, could be a psyche wrecking this year yeah knowing that knowing that when mirazic and stalak's recent injury history um i think they're also everything i've heard is there's a chance they pick up a third goalie like they just yeah. that they carry a third depending on who's on waivers just so that they don't have to rush short of bloom so um and, and Kameso, this is a big year like he he's i i would i would assume that he signs after after the season at, at bu and you know he's it, it feels like every year he's taken a step and you know it's tough that first year being the the covid year and you know he missed world juniors because of covid and last year um you know he, he played pretty well and he got some chance he played the olympics and um you know building some confidence and you know i, I talked to uh, peter aubrey before the season about you know all the goalies a little bit and i'll write about it at some point but uh yeah yeah they I think they, they like where Camaso is going to, and they, they feel like it's, uh, you know, the goalies is like, he's, he's an 18 year old freshman. So he's, you know, what is, what is he 20 now? So he, he's still really young for a goalie. So, um, but they, they like how he's, you know, how he's projecting and he continues to be the U S is number one at his, 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 in his age group and, and, and certainly playing the Olympics and being a number one goalie for one of the top, you know, one of the top college programs. And, um, you know, the BU's probably expect to be a little bit better than it has been the last few years with a new coach. So, um, I think they like where he is and, you know, you sign him next year and then he spends a year or two in Rockford. And then, um, yeah, I, I guess in the short term picture, like it seems like Soderblom and Camaso are, are there two guys, but like you said, like, it's like all of a sudden you find a European goalie or someone who's, yeah. who fits that bill. Like it, it's someone else that can add to the, add to the picture too. Emergency QB asks, given Luke Richardson's offensive slash defensive slash special teams revamps, why do you think he chose to retain Derek King as a coach? I know that King is familiar with the young players. Wouldn't you think he'd want to start with a clean slate? 
Uh, it's an interesting question. It's an unusual situation, certainly, for a interim coach to take a step back and stay with the team. Usually they move on. Um, I don't think anyone was barreling down the door to get Derek King on their staff So uh, as a head coach, so I think it makes sense for, for Derek King, certainly. Uh, as for Richardson, from what I hear, he, you know, I think the team wanted Derek King to stay and probably said, hey, if you don't mind, would you have this guy on your staff? But Richardson also values the the knowledge that King brings of some of these prospects. He's worked with them in Rockford. He's worked with them in Chicago. Uh, he has a really good rapport with everybody. He, uh, he brings a good vibe that you need. If you're a, you know, a first time head coach, you're an intense guy like Richardson is, I think having a, a good cop to be uh, to balance your bad cop. Cause the head coach has to be the bad cop a lot uh, is really valuable. And I think, uh, as, you know, I don't know how much, co- there, how much a bad cop there is in the staff too. Like it felt like Richardson, like he's, yeah. they've really, like, it's been about the Seems mere, like a very nice guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just like the whole, like they, every assistant they brought on, like I heard, you know, so many great things about Kevin Dean and, yeah. and just the, I, I don't know. Part of it's that you need know. that in a season that you know is going to be bad. <laughs> right, yeah. We learned that last year, right? Things were awful under Colleton, a very serious man. And then you brought in Derek King, and it kind of was like, all right, well, you know, we could bring the vibe up a little bit and we could try and, and, and it gets the guys to play harder in a lost season. I think that the team, the Blackhawks knew going in, Kyle Davidson knew going in, this is going to get ugly. And you're going to need some lightness in that room. So a staff like that can go along. It's not just about X's and O's. For Coaching sure. is all about managing personalities and egos as much as anything else. And uh, Derek King is excellent at that. All right. From a Blackhawks hockey highlight reel. What's the ceiling on Kurchinski? Is he a one D a superstar defenseman like Yost uh, Hedman or McCarr, a top pairing guy? Um, yeah. I, I, coffee. I, he's, I, I don't know. He's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously the Blackhawks drafted them very high and considering all the defensemen, including Seth Jones and all the prospects they have in the, in the organization. So they, uh, they, they felt like they needed to go out and get a top pairing guy. So um, all signs that he's, he's going to be really good offensively. They uh, you know, they're not going to rush him in junior because they feel like they can hopefully make him more of a two-way defenseman. So uh, it's too early Just to remember, say that Adam Boquist was the number eight pick overall. And yeah, they said all sure. the same things about him three years ago. Let's uh, pump the brakes a little bit and give the kids some time. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'll, yeah, it's, it's, it's I think at that size and skating, like, he has a lot of the tools, so we'll, we'll see how he puts them together, but I guess having played two NHL preseason games, like it's, you know, like it, 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 he's shown more than I thought he would this early. So, yes. Yes. Uh, All right. Final question from Scott Kennedy. The organization has said that the AHL playoffs are a priority to get their prospects playoff experience. How do we handicap the development of various prospects based on which league they'll be likely, which league they'll likely be in? That's going to be the toughest part of the season. If you're a fan is any progress is going to be really intangible and indefinable it's going to be really hard for you to say this guy took a step this year this guy took a leap this year it's going to be a lot of subtle progression and that's what the team is looking for that's why kyle davidson is constantly preaching patience you know guys developing the ahl playing big minutes playing important games down the stretch that's what uh, they're going to need to do as my alarm goes off oh so i have an interview in 10 minutes sorry about that <laughs> I got to remind myself of these things, but it's going to be, you know, that kind of progress where you just want to see someone play a larger role and perform well in high pressure games. It's not going to be if this guy needs to score X amount of points in the AHL so that he'll score Y amount of points in the NHL. It's going to be really tough to wrap your arms around any progress that's been made. And you won't really know for sure until next year, what kind of progress was made this year. And I, I, I know that it, it feels like 
getting those veterans for about was having about for the, the current prospects. And in some ways it is, you know, like they'd like to, whether it's Reichel or, and again, I don't even think Reichel's down there the whole year. I, I think they like him to get there and then oh, he'll get dominate. Him, yeah. Yeah. But, and then when they bring him up, I think he stays up, but I think it, I think it's that they want to make the playoffs and make a run for the guys that are arrive um, after the season. Cause I, like after the year I could see, uh, from college, I could see Slagger, maybe, um, well, I see, you know, Camaso, um, you know, uh, guys like Kraczynski and Nolan Allen and, and Doc, all these guys who are, are signed can, can play with the team in the playoffs. So I, I think it's about giving those guys those type of games, too, or unfortunately for the guys who probably got in the playoffs, yeah. um, you know, maybe more of the guys on American League contracts, like those guys probably get shifted out, but they, they want to have a really good team so they can support those guys like Del Mastro too. Like they, there's a lot of guys already signed. that will play this year in junior and then it'll, it'll turn pro next year um, uh, or, or even go back to the juniors. But after the junior season, they can join the Ice Hogs again. So um, even Savoie and stuff like I, I think a lot of those guys you'll see as long as their their junior season's over with, you'll see them come to Rockford and, and get looks in, in, in April and in, in, the Blackhawks are hopeful, you know, down the line in May and stuff where these guys are playing some really important games. And, um, and part of it's the recipe they've, they've seen some other teams do, but also the Blackhawks in the past where um, they had some pretty good teams uh, in the past in Rockford and, and even in Norfolk. And, and, and they had a lot of their top players, John Wilson and Keith and, um, you know, even, even the, you know, during the lockout guys like, uh, Letty and Saad yeah. and Kruger, all those guys got oh, yeah. all, all those Rockford games and some really good opportunities. So they're, um, yeah, they're, they're hopeful that, you know, like it, it just, it, it having a better team in Rockford allows those guys to play more meaningful hockey and also play with better players at that level too. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know how many guys in Rockford they'll actually, um, I, I, I guess the fact that Velasco probably started in the NHL, I don't know if he goes back to rock for when people are healthy, but, um, I, there aren't a lot of forwards that, are, that probably get promoted, maybe like a slave and or someone depth guys. But I, I think them preparing that Rockford team has a lot to do about the guys that next wave of players who are coming in and kind of getting them ready. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I, I think Rockford will be uh, an interesting spot to be. Yeah. I think sure. we're going to, we're going to keep an eye on the prospects probably as much as we do on the NHL team this year. Um, so it'll be, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll keep things interesting. Don't worry. You stick around, stick with us. We won't let you down. I, I, I brought this up and then and you, you helped me back a little bit, but I, I love the, you, you see so many movies and so many things. That I just, uh, yeah, not even genres that I'm interested in. So I, I know you went to go see a, uh, you know, I thought, and we can end shows with Laz's, uh, <laughs> latest movie this, is, review. this is what I miss the most about regular hockey. This is the first I really haven't covered morning skates the last couple of years because oh, really one, one I dragged you, well, I didn't drag you, but I invited you to go watch the U.S. soccer game. And it was let's, like, let's, let's never speak of that again. I mean, yeah, we went to a bar I, that I, every I, food was I, low, was brined in salt, so I couldn't I, eat anything. It wasn't, it was just, it's, I had to watch it, the worst soccer game I've ever yeah, seen. I, uh, that, I'm, I'm i'm more i'm more upset about that because i'm always i whenever <laughs> i invite someone to, I, I just hope it's a great experience and like and people can kind of maybe cling on to it and that was, it was something that would turn people off the soccer so um That's but what, what, what movie you, what movie do you see yeah now? Now, now that because i usually don't come home after a morning skate because i live in indiana it's a little a little bit too more far of a schlep so i go to a movie theater watch a movie get some lunch and come back to the ring for the game i saw the uh uh the woman king on uh wednesday uh, tuesday tuesday uh, it was really good. It was like this throwback 90s. You remember when they used to just make like cool action flicks where people just beat the shit out of each other? Yeah. Uh, it, was, it, it, was, it was like that. It was like, a, it's, you know, obviously the, the the representation in the movie is what separates. But it was like this old school, awesome kick-ass movie with, you know, who knew, who knew that 
we all needed Viola Davis beating the shit out of people in our lives, but we totally do. It was awesome. It was really, it was really good. It was really well done. Uh, uh, um, Leanna, Leanna Lynch, I think is her name. She's, uh, she's the new Captain Marvel and she's was fantastic. She was by far the best part of the movie. And uh, uh, it was, it was really good. Go see it. Making you, movies it, again. They're, the movies are back. Let's all go to the movies again. I, I, if you were going to rate it one out of five uh, Laz emojis, how many? How many? How many does it <laughs> five Laz? Is that like? A, is that the uh, the clown with the really big nose? Is that the Laz emoji? Uh, I give it four out of five. It was really good. Okay, okay. I may go see it. Um, okay, we will. Uh, yeah, we will have some more games. Uh, we're getting game Milwaukee on Sunday and yep. home game on Saturday and. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll have more to talk about, but uh, we'll be back here uh, a week from today or some yeah at some point. I don't want to promise what day because it's yeah we 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 we'd like to release this like every Monday say, but the, the game schedule kind of dictates when because we want to have things to do for fresh things yeah. to talk about. So for sure we will. So at some us. point next week we'll release a podcast. I promise. So for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Laz and Powers. Yeehaw. I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.